Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life. Today, we're tackling all the health things with someone who changed her life by tweaking her nutrition and lifestyle and is living proof that low-carb changes lives. She's Temple Stewart, the keto nutritionist, and you'll get to meet her right after this. Attention shoppers. Woo! I just went to the soft grand opening of the Akles Carpet One. Uh, kind of the, it's not the new location, but it's, you know, new and improved. And it's the one on Maumel Boulevard for those of you in central Arkansas. That's technically, you know, North Little Rock, but we call it Maumel. I went recently and yowza. See, I've been since the store has kind of revealed some new pieces to it, but now the entire store has been redone. You can go and look at the dream kitchen of your lives because yeah, Akel's Carpet One is doing everything just about from ceiling to floor. So that means they're doing all the tile, all the backsplash, the showers. Uh huh. They even have closet ideas. The kitchen gave me such kitchen envy and I just built a house. I'm like, dang it, why didn't I know about that, that, and that? Um, of course, the flooring. People are crazy about the luxury vinyl plank. Best prices, because here's the deal. Akel's Carpet One beats the big box store prices. You can't say that about anybody else. That's why people drive in from all over. Bring your truck from Memphis, from Dallas, wherever, because you're going to get the best prices right here. It's Akel's Carpet One. Link in the show notes. You need to be shopping there. Akel's Carpet One. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, kids, we're going to get school today because we've got a nutritionist on and she's the ketogenic nutritionist. I want you to follow her on all the social media. I'll link all that. Uh, Temple, I follow all your material. It's you're preaching to the choir. I love what you're saying. What is your why though? How, How did you get to where you are and why are you doing this? Yeah, this is a fantastic question. Really, my why is because I know what it feels to be incredibly sick and and I know what it feels like to be overweight. And ultimately, I just don't want women to have to live in that state. And I think we could accomplish so much more and, and just give so much more to society when we feel good and we don't feel that burden. What What is your schooling to get you to the nutritionist part? Is that four years of an undergrad of dietetics? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a full-on registered dietitian, which is just saying that I have clinical and hospital experience and I'm able to speak on chronic disease and lab values and all that stuff. So yes, you're exactly right. It's four years of undergrad and then you have to do a residency, a fellowship at a you know accredited dietetics uh, hospital, and then you have to be board certified. And so that that's the way to become a registered dietitian if you're interested. Well, from following your social media, you don't parrot what the traditional dietitian says. So are you at odds with your peers or do you think this is kind of, maybe there's a groundswell of people saying, you know what, eating nine to 11 whole grains, probably not the best for our future. (laughs) 
You know, I, I honestly believe, and this is the hopeful temple. I really believe people are starting to come around. I I think, I really think just the, the way that we have turned and and become so metabolically unhealthy. I think people are just using common sense and naturally starting to question the nutrition dogma that they've been fed for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. You know, there's something to be said when you do something and you're doing the right things, but there's no results being produced or you still feel the same way. And so, you know, I've really been pleasant surprised at the doctors, the cardiologists, the other dietitians, the other, you know, co-workers, all of that, that have really been open-minded and, and have received this message really well, which is super encouraging for the future. I think. Are you in Phoenix, Scottsdale area? I'm in Gilbert, Phoenix. Gilbert. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's where the air, is that where the university is? Yep. Yeah. So, well, the, the Sonoran health sciences. So I'm, I'm going back to school to become a naturopathic doctor that is in Tempe. Yeah. It's in Tempe right off Broadway exit. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. It's, it's Phoenix and Scottsdale and then there's exit, exit, and you're in two different towns, but you're really in Phoenix and Scottsdale. Exactly. Well, I asked that because one of a couple of my favorite guests have been from that area. One is Dr. Jack Wolfson. Um, He's a cardiologist who's married to a chiropractor and she's the one that opened his eyes and he left a traditional Western Mm -hmm. practice of put him on statins, low fat dieting. And she was the one because, you know, I I figure you like the way a chiropractor or a naturopath or non-traditional practitioner would practice. And it totally changed his point of view. Um, They moved from where they were living so they could go someplace to get more vitamin D. You know, I mean, all the things that you and I talk about, he he now implements in his life. And uh, if anyone wants to follow him, uh, Dr. Jack Wolfson, I think they're the doctor's Wolfson might be their social media handle because she's a chiropractor. Um, but I didn't know if you, it, and I say that because he's in your community, he's mm-hmm. left Western medicine behind, you know, uh, and of course we can all say if you broke your arm, yes, you go to the hospital or the doctor and sure. have a splint and you take the antibiotic if it's infected. We're not saying that, but we're saying there are a whole lot of other paths to get you to wellness. And a lot of times it's within your own body's healing. Wouldn't you yeah. agree with that? Oh, 110%. I think one thing people really need to understand is conventional medicine is phenomenal for immediate emergencies. Like yeah. there's no one better to go to than the ER. Right. If you're having something life-threatening, however, conventional medicine has failed when it comes to the management of chronic disease, you know, autoimmune disease, metabolic problems, all of that. And so people really are flocking to natural tendencies and holistic medicine and natural healing and whole body healing to really overcome these things, like I mentioned. And so a hundred percent, I think it's, it's really fascinating. And you're seeing a lot of doctors from conventional medicine move to more holistic practice, which I really love. Yeah. Uh, what are the, some of the things you want to focus on, you think, when you're a naturopath oh, that, 100%. That, you, that you can't do now? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So I definitely want to stay in my my metabolic disease, chronic disease, yeah. autoimmunity, and weight loss. I think it really can impact the quality of people's lives dramatically when they feel good coming from that state. And so that, that I plan to keep my niche very similar. Um, I do have a quite a bit of interest in autoimmunity as well, which is, you know, 80% of autoimmune disease happens in women. And so I really think that's going to be a bigger area to, to focus on as well. Well, tell me your journey. What, who lifted the blinders? What, what was the first thing you did? And tell me the freedoms you've had from your medical conditions. 
Yeah. So I started noticing something was a little off with my body. I I played college soccer and it was my junior year. You know, I'm fit as a whistle, like running, lifting weights. I should not be having any physical signs of breakdown. And I started really experiencing, you know, a little bit of anxiety, depression. I was getting cystic acne. I was gaining weight. And then you think, how is that even possible? I'm a soccer player running 90 minutes a a day. And so I started thinking something was wrong at that point. And I got real interested in nutrition, um, obviously in college. And I went on to do my residency. And that's when I, I for a dietitian, that's when I got diagnosed with PCOS and Hashimoto's. Mm. And, you know, I was at rock bottom at that point. I had gained so much weight. I was, I was just newly married, but sleeping all day because my thyroid was so dysfunctional. And I, I can remember specifically going in to, to an OB uh, GYN and saying, Hey, I haven't had my period in like six months. You know, I wanted to be a mom. I was newly married. And so of course they test me for PCOS, which I came back positive and I never forget it. I was sitting in a chair and the doctor came to me and said, here's your options. We're going to put you on metformin and I want you to come back when you're ready to get pregnant. We'll do fertility treatments. And I remember thinking, what? Like I'm a dietitian. Like there's no anything I can do to help get rid of this problem that I'm experiencing. Nope. There's nothing you can do to change it. Weight loss may help a little bit, but you're still going to struggle with infertility for the rest of your life. And I remember thinking, no, this is not the whole story. And that's really what ultimately opened my eyes. And, and that's how I got involved in the low carb ketogenic metabolic health space. And really what kind of the icing on the cake was for me was I was working in the hospital at the time. I read the book, Why We Get Sick by Dr. Benjamin Bickman. Changed I know, my life. I, it I totally, totally changed my life. I know. Yeah. I know. I say it on almost every podcast because he is incredible. And I, at that moment I, I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm in control of this. I can take back my health. And that's really when the, the, the timeline shifted for me and I started losing weight. I got my period back. And then I really also started changing the way that I was practicing with patients. You know, I was working with diabetics and working with people that were struggling and I was giving them the same, eat all these carbs, eat all these things. And it was just ruining it. And so wow. then I started to see the changes in my patients. And that's when I said the, the, the light turned on and I never looked back. And shortly after that was when I quit my hospital job and, and branched out on my own. So it really was quite a, a, a journey from sickness to health. And then also realizing people deserve so much more than what they're getting. And they, and they can, they can find healing um, within themselves for sure. How much weight did you lose um, after that initial PCOS weight gain? I lost about 60 pounds and a lot of weight. that was a lot of weight. Yeah, it was a lot. You could see it everywhere and you could see it in my face and, and even more so aside from the weight loss too, I just saw changes in my skin. You yeah. know, I saw changes in my hair. I saw changes in my mood, my libido, everything. It, you know, it was like this just huge weight, literal and physical weight came off of me um, as well as just this burden on my health that I just hated. Well, you know what you're very fortunate about, and that is no one put you on birth control pills. I know. I know. Because that's a thing I have to fight with these young girls and their moms who say, well, she she's either had acne and, you know, I start wondering, well, what's wrong? You know, what what's the root cause? And they all say, well, they put her on birth control pills and I, yep. just, I die just a I slow death. I know I, I hear it. And, you know, I, I did the birth control route when I was in college and I, um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly dealing with this with women and, and even women that are in their sixties and they tell me they've been on birth control for the last 25 years. And I'm like, 
what is happening to, we have no idea because it's just a big old bandaid and we don't even have a clue where, what's going on with your hormones. And so, yeah, nobody's warned about birth control and, and what it can do, the carcinogen effect. It's, it's a hot mess. Um, when it comes well, to birth control. A lot of people I follow, cause I'm now, I'm more in the carnivore space just because mm-hmm. mitigating my, uh, autoimmune conditions, trying to repigment my vitiligo and yeah. some other things. I'm kind of in a little, in fact, um, in a little bit of a flare up right now. And I don't, mm-hmm. I can't figure out why, but I, I'll get to the bottom of it. Um, but in all, one of the people I follow in the carnivore space said recently, I think he's carnivore. Aurelius, you know, oh, yeah. Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Carnivore Aurelius. He and several others talk about what it does um, in choosing a mate. It's wild. Because right? the way it suppresses their hormones, because we are, we know we're hormonally wired. I mean, Dr. Fung says we're hormonally wired to eat and to stop eating, but we're also hormonally wired with pheromones to pick a mate. There's so many benefits to our hormones yeah. in regulating them and how you can choose the wrong mate. Um, you might, one of them said you might choose a soy boy, which yeah. is somebody in our community who is a vegan, like, yeah. you know, yeah. um, but there are so many detriments long-term to these young girls being put on birth control pills because it's the panacea for you have pimples. It's the yeah. panacea for you don't have a period. Yeah. So that really worries me for a, a young generation and their future and to their ability to get pregnant. I want these girls at, at the proper time. And, yeah. and I'm not talking about someone who is preventing pregnancy because they're preventing pregnancy. I'm talking about at this point, because that's your personal choice with your body. I'm just yeah. saying, really look into it. But also for the person who the doctor or provider says, well, here, just take these pills. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, the, I think the, the birth control stuff with the mate is super interesting. I would really be curious. Have you seen some of that? Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's documented research and I wonder, you know, I'd love to see more in terms of like what they're looking at with, you know, divorce rates and what the status levels of happiness between partners are when someone comes off. It's very, very interesting. And I, I do think you're right. And I love that you mentioned that we're hormonally wired because it's so true. Yes. They dictate mm-hmm. nearly every single thing that we do, even down to decision making. And when you put a, put a child on that's in the middle of the, probably the, one of the most key times of development in their life, figuring out who they are, what they like, you know, all of that, no telling what it messes up. And you know, what's even more unfortunate is that there are better options and that, you know, I didn't learn about natural family planning until after I was married and ready to have a kid. And I'm thinking, why did I not know anything about my own cycle when I had a period for 15 years, you know? And it's like, we need to teach these young girls, like, this is what to expect in your luteal phase, your follicular phase. All of this stuff is so important to learn, but it's just not taught. And I think if more women were taught that there would be different decisions when it came to pregnancy prevention and all of that. Well, they are, the the people uh, who hand out the drugs are assuming that we're stupid. Yeah. Because we're a whole lot smarter if you give us the, give me the science and I'll, I'll figure it out. But if you give these young girls even to understand their bodies, then they'll realize the times of fertility. Um, the time that's when they're 
desire changes. That's when their hunger changes. I mean, all the things that they'll say to their moms and these young girls, and then even college girls who are on their own, because I see a few of them, and them understanding that it's all normal. Because they'll say, I'm just really hungry in my my cycle. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because you're supposed supposed to be. Yeah. That's that's your progesterone, all the things. So I, I think that's a real fascinating um, fact about our bodies and just how hormonal we are. One thing you mentioned, my um, I, I was uh, adopted by my cousins when I was 12 and um, he was an attorney, a well-respected attorney. And um, my mother worked for him in the law firm. And I remember, so they would see attorneys, especially in small towns, see a lot of divorces. They, you know, they do a lot of, they, he did everything, right? He was like yeah. the general practitioner of attorneys. <laughs> But he was, even though he did civil and criminal uh, legal defense, but he would say the women who came in wanting a divorce, they would always kind of say, so have you had a hysterectomy? Very interesting. And my dad said, anytime they had a hysterectomy, same thing. They had no desire for him. They're, they're him that they have. They might hate their family, you know. During your cycle, since I'm postmenopausal, I can now look in the rearview mirror. There was a week out of the month where I hated anybody that lived in my home or was from my womb. I mean, anybody, but yeah. went away, you know. Then. Yeah. And it's just going through those waves. And of course, you're going to, you know, fall off your surfboard a few times because you don't feel great, but then you get back on. But I always thought that was so interesting. So I just say that again, one thing I can tell you is no judgment for me. If that's what someone's decided to do, just here's what I want people to do. Explore all your options. Are you informed? Like women will tell me all the time, Temple, because this is where I am in my season. Well, Lisa, I'm not going to do bioden. I'm not going to do hormone replacement therapy. And then they'll have some story about, well, my grandmother had breast cancer. And I go, well, the science, and we realized yeah. in 2002 that all that science was erroneous. It has been debunked. And then, then I say, well, you know, it's cardioprotective to have bioidentical estrogen. And it's, it's really dementia protective too. Then they'll go, well, no one's told me. So that's yeah. why I just know anybody listening, whatever decision, wherever you are in your, whatever your fork in the road is, please get informed. Yeah. Follow Temple. Follow the people we're talking about. Yeah. Dr. Uh, Bickman's book completely changed. I just, I gotten my certification from the Institute for Integrative New, uh, Nutrition New York. The end of September, I read his book the first week in October. I- I'd heard him on a podcast. And he's just so endearing and just likable and a great communicator. That really tr- changed my trajectory and mm-hmm. advice I would give. Um, but somebody complained recently, um, and I don't look at my reviews, but sometimes they're sent to my email. I, I don't know why. Oh, I guess goodness. maybe that platform sends them. And the, the person said, she's raw and tells whatever her stories, whatever. But she says, my gosh, she talks about Dr. Bickman, Dr. Fung and Jen Stevens every time. Yep. And I tell you, part of that is it's because I want y'all to know it's called attribution. I'm a journalist and journalists should always give their attribution to who they learned it from. Every time it needs to be said in every podcast that Dr. Ben Bickman wrote the book, Why We Get Sick. Dr. Fung is the medical father of intermittent fasting is what I call him. And Jen Stevens, who's become a friend of mine, is uh, kind of the the lay person, lay authority on intermittent fasting. So anything I spout out 
I try to tell, well, I learned that from so-and-so. Yeah. And I, I can see you do that too. Because didn't, didn't what Dr. Bickman say when you find out that PCOS has a root in insulin resistance, that kidney stones or whatever, there were some rare, random things that I went, oh, that's from too much dementia. We know cognitive decline, obviously, yeah. cancer. Didn't it blow your mind all the things that you read that were related to the fact that what was on your fork putting to your mouth? I mean, it, yeah, it, it was it, like you, I say the same thing is that book really did change my life. And you know, one thing I love about Dr. Bickman, and I've had the privilege of getting to work with him on writing some of his blogs <gasps> for health code and stuff. Okay, so jealous. I, I wanna, yeah, jealous. I want to give him oh. a shout out. Yeah, he's very, um, he's just as nice as you would expect him to be uh, I know um, in public I and private. And one thing I love about him too, is he's very genuine about the science. And he, I've even heard him say on a podcast, you know, if something comes out that proves this theory wrong, I would love it because that would be like able to help my help people better, you know, which is why I, I, I appreciate what he does so much. But yeah, it was when I was reading through the book, I'm like, yeah, I have an idea that PCOS is caused by that. Yeah. Prediabetes, diabetes, all of these types of things. It makes sense that they're metabolic diseases. But now that we're coming up and talking about, you know, Alzheimer's being diabetes type three and all of these things, it makes sure. sense because that's what the medical community has been telling us is just such a mystery. All this is just a mystery. Why is everyone dying of cardio, you know, vascular disease? Oh, it's a mystery. It's not so much a mystery when you start looking at what really causes it. And so ultimately, I think the more we we talk about it, the better people are going to be able to um, open their eyes and, and change and get some help at least. I think too hearing, and there was a generation of medical providers who were taught and who have told us that you can't reverse type two diabetes. Oh, yes, you can. That you can't reverse Hashimoto's. Yeah. Yes, you can. can. Or PCOS. There are so many death sentences that uh, I I just say women because women are affected more by the conditions I'm mentioning. Yes. And it's su- it's such a dead end for women, and it's so discouraging. Mm-hmm. Nobody told me when I was well. They told me when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, I would take the medicine for the rest of my life. Well, right now I'm working on getting off it. Have yeah. you done that? Have you? Yeah. Re- I am. I'm off. So I, I, I just got off most of my thyroid medications. Wow. One medication I do continue that I do talk about that I think is a phenomenal medication is called low dose naltrexone. I think it's, anybody it's with, changing my life right yeah, now. Yeah. Anyone with autoimmune conditions, it's more of a naturopathic medicine move. A functional doctor are the ones that typically will prescribe this. It's, it's a very good medication. And so, yes, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And one thing I do want to just say too, is I think it's really important for people to not expect their doctors to have all the answers, but also do their own research. And you know, that has changed my life. And I encourage everyone, someone gives you one of these quote unquote death sentences, or you'll be on this medication the rest of your life, do your research. It's almost nine times out of 10, not true in a sense that there are either lifestyle alterations, you can make diet alterations, you can make, you know, hot and cold therapies. We could go on for days about all the biohacking and things you can add into it. And so I would encourage anyone that may be feeling uh, discouraged or are in the pits because they have something medically that's burdening them is that there's always a step forward and really just figuring out what works for you, doing your own research. And, you know, I think if we took it all the way back up to the top, it's really the whole medical system that disables doctors. You know, they they spend 10 minutes with us less than most of the time. They don't, you know, I think, which is also what I want to say too, is I think this is slowly switching. I think people, 
people are, I, I think we'll get to the other end of this, I hope, and really, you know, um, start from the top of the whole medical system and hopefully get, you know, they say doctors are typically about 20 years behind or medicine. I shouldn't say doctors. Medicine, medicine, right, medicine. is about 20 years behind research. And so you got to be your own advocate. You, you got to nowadays um, because the system just can't support it. Uh, the other thing I'm learning, and because of this autoimmune flare of mine, and I'm thinking, you know, my adrenals kind of aren't doing right. I have a li- little patch of alopecia that's popped up. So yep. I'm trying to get to the root cause. And one thing, I have it right here, it's the liver, right? Yeah. I'm seeing so much about the liver. And this is, for those of you who watch on YouTube, and I'll tell you what this is, it's organic castor oil that I'm using, the Queen of Thrones castor oil yeah. packs, which will leak on your sheets if you use them, if you use it too much. Right. I didn't realize yeah. it. Yeah. So I threw it out and I'm now doing, I'm rubbing it using an old t-shirt and using a heating pad at night. But let's talk about what, what you're feeling on castor oil and the magic of the liver gallbladder and adrenals. Yeah. So I think the liver, the liver is, this is a weird thing to say, but it's probably my favorite organ. Um, being in school, <laughs> looking at it, you're you my know, favorite <laughs> learning, no, yeah, learning all the, it, the liver is like with, I mean, we know it, you can't survive without a working functional liver. Yeah. And so it's, it really is crucial. One, we abuse our liver. We, you know, take in tons of insects, drinking too much. We really do treat our liver terrible and, and, and environmentally it's not treated well either in terms of all the stuff we're slathering yeah. on our skin and breathing. And unfortunately a lot of that's hard to switch over, but you Fair. do the best you can, you know, but I will say I'm a big fan of castor oil packs. I love queen of thrones. I have the, the same tie around your waist yeah. wrap as well. Um, so I think just understanding a lot of the things on, on drainage supported, you know, lymphatic support, all of those things are really important. Um, which I love that, you know, like sauna therapy has gotten a lot of recent I, news. I did and that a, this morning. You yeah. Know? I'm, yeah. I'm, and so I think, hard. I think the more people learn about these modalities and learn that a lot of them can be done from home. Like you, the castor oil pack, anyone can do a castor oil pack. You don't have to go to your doctor to do that. I mean, you should be careful with it, but you, you know, it's, it, there, it's so empowering people. You really can, when you start learning about this stuff, you really can start putting them into action. And I love that you're, you know, being open and transparent about what you're going through with your flare up. It, it's a part of everyone's health journey. You know, anyone with autoimmune conditions knows this. It's a series of ups and downs and you control it the best you can, but sometimes things are unavoidable. And so, yeah, the liver is important to support. It's important to love on your liver. Um, certain foods can help with that. The way you, you know, sleep obviously is very what regenerative. Foods, what foods do you like then for a good detox of the liver? Yeah. So I'm all about uh, bitters. I'm all about, um, of course, being really cautious about what you're purchasing if it's not organic in terms of anything that your liver is going to have to take care of pesticides, herbicides, those types of things. Um, But really your meat, your vegetables. I love bitters. I love NAC, which is a supportive supplement of the liver. I love milk thistle, you know, all in context of of the individual situation. Um, And then of course, avoiding things that we know don't treat your liver well, like NSAIDs and alcohol or recreational drugs, abusing certain things can also be really tough on the liver. But um, that, that's kind of where I start. Well, so I started the low dose naltrexone because I mm-hmm. had this adorable Danny Williamson um, is her name. Oh, I just loved her. 
she was a redhead too and yeah. just sassy and I loved everything about her. And she said when she died, they were going to have to pull her LDN and her <laughs> bioidentical hormone therapy out of her cold yeah. hand, you know, I agree. whatever they say. So, and she's, I tried LDN a few years ago, but I was doing it to mitigate my um, antibody count on my Hashimoto's. Yeah. And it didn't at first, but so I've mitigated it. So my antibody count is down. That's why I'm kind of mad at my body right now. Why I'm seeing this alopecia What's going on? patch. Cause I'm like, I'm doing right. What, what are y'all doing down there? What, what's yeah. the rest of you doing? So, so I did then at that time adopt, I started, I think they start you 1.5 maybe mm-hmm. is the dose and then mm-hmm. bump you to three and then 4.5 4. 5. Mm-hmm. because in high, I want to explain this to our listeners in high doses, it's used um, for addicts and alcoholics. And I yep. think it gives them maybe an aversion. They won't. Yeah. It, I think well, it temp- essentially blocks the receptors. So, okay. Yeah. I think it's doing that to me in a low dose. I can't, I'm going to Napa next week. Yeah. And I, my husband said, were you going to drink there? And I'm like, no, it kind of grosses me out. It does. Yeah. And I think the LDN has done something like I'm not patting yeah. myself on the back. Like I'm some righteous warrior yeah. who's never going to drink again. I have truly lost the taste for it. Yeah. I think it's the LDN. Last month I embarked on a gluten-free commitment. Now I know I talk big because a lot of times I'll go, I'm gluten-free, but it really wasn't always, you know, every day in and day out gluten-free, but I have been now. And I'm telling you that really limits your choices for dining because at home you can control it. Unless you go to Jess's Chicken. Jess's Chicken has, they'll they'll show you the gluten-free options that chicken salads faux show are. Now, of course, you can't have the bread. But when you're gluten-free, you know that. You, you know you go most places and you can't have the bread. That's fine. They even have dairy-free options. That's another thing I'm trying to make a commitment to, to settle down my immune system. It is harder, but I know when I go to Jess's Chicken... I can get things that are either dairy-free or gluten-free. So if you have anyone dealing with sensitivities, allergies, and immune flare-up, trust me on this one. You can go to Jess's Chicken. Plus, when you read the reviews at Jess's Chicken, you see that this person said, so the food is excellent, but what really jumps out is the staff. Not many places you go and the people are smiling, jovial, and appear happy when they don't know that you're looking. Speaks highly of the business as a whole. Great every time. Guys, the Bubba's family trains these people like they are their own kids. And trust me, they've got a bunch of kids. They know what's invested in raising these fine young people to become delightful adults. So every time you go, you should have an outstanding encounter at Jess's Chicken, jesschicken.com. Hi, friends. I want to take a moment just to introduce you to something that I offer my listeners, my friends, my followers, and that is an online course where you can start fasting today. Yes, I do love me some intermittent fasting. I am a certified health coach and I began fasting in 2017. It totally changed my life. It changed the way not only that I look at food and nourishment nutrition, but I take less thyroid medicine. Some autoimmune diseases have been reversed. It's really the magic of fasting. But sometimes people just need a coach or a partner. But, you know, it may be cost prohibitive to hire someone like me by the hour. Well, do my online course. My online course, lisafishersaid.com slash academy. Right now for an introductory price is $49.97. You can start fasting today. The first video in that series is free. 
So go ahead and check that out. But I want you to get healthy and you can do it affordably. And then I'll save you money in the long run because you buy less food. <laughs> it's a great thing. I love fasting. I bet you will too. LisaFisherSaid.com slash Academy. It's a hundred percent. And you know, the thing about LDN that's so funny, um, I was introduced to it because a naturopath said the same thing to me. They're like, I'll take LDN the rest of my life. And I was like, that's interesting. You're pretty young. Um, and then I started learning about the medication and it's really fascinating. There needs to be a lot more research done on it, but it can even help people that are struggling with miscarriages. There's a lot of very interesting usage for LDN. Um, yeah, yeah. It's very, now I'm saying when they're pregnant. Um, now one thing that to know about LDN is you don't necessarily, go for like, oh, max dose is going to give me more benefits. Some people actually do do better on like a 1.5 or two. It's all about figuring out where, which may have been the case for you in the very beginning when you first tried it, it may have just been a dosing issue. Um, but so yeah, it's, it's a very cool medication. The trick is getting it compounded correctly. Like you can't just get the large amount of it and break it up yourself. It doesn't work like that. So, so it's a very interesting, interesting medication, but can help tremendously, tremendously for, and all autoimmune, not just Hashimoto's. It can help with ulcerative colitis. It can help with anything that, that that's autoimmune uh, dysregulating. And so, um, did you start at 1.5 and are you at four? Yes. So I started at 1.5 as well. This was probably six years. No, five years ago, I started at 1.5 and I've shifted my dose when I got, um, when I got some issues with other autoimmune ulcerative colitis is an issue that I'm battling. I, I got boosted up. Um, and so right now I'm, I'm right at 4.0. Um, and that seems to be my happy place anymore. I start feeling a little funky, um, but I do like the 4.0. And if I need to try going up a little bit, I will for sure. I do will say I do have a tinge of nausea some days, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it goes away because I'm an intermittent faster. I'm not eating in the morning or anything. Yes. So I you know. found that that I found that that was my experience with it for the first like six months as well, um, and then now I don't have any issue with it at all. So it may just be a, you may just need to wait it out a little bit. Have you reversed your UC, your ulcerative colitis? Oh, that's a whole nother ballgame. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I think um, talking about trauma and stress. So what what happened to me two years ago? So I had my, you know, that I have a four-year-old that's adopted and I have a two-year-old. We all know that giving birth can be a very, uh, it's extremely stressful on a woman's body. And it's oftentimes when autoimmune conditions will show their ugly head. I got one with each child and then I got three others just for fun. One with each child. I know, right? We're so blessed, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I had my daughter, my my two, she's two year old now, two year old now, and she had a um, life threatening congenital uh, defect four days after birth, and so we had to rush her to the ER. She stopped breathing at home. It, let's so just sorry. say I was under tremendous amounts so of stress. Sorry. I wasn't eating. You know, I was at the NICU 24-7, not sleeping, stressing out. And so that is when my ulcerative colitis cropped up. Um, No doubt it was 100% related to trauma and stress. Um, And so to answer your question, my UC is under control. Praise the Lord. It was a long journey. It was not under control for about a year. And it was probably the hardest, healthier I've ever had in terms of just frustration. I was doing everything natural that I could think of that could potentially help. Um, but ultimately it came down for stress or to stress for me. So really controlling stress, making sure I'm sleeping and, and staying on top of the modalities that I use to keep it under control, which is cold therapy. I use the sauna. I use LDN obviously, which was what I'm talking about and very, 
relatively strict dieting methods for me is what helps keep UC under control and, and allows me to have a good quality of life with it. Now, how is it different from uh, Crohn's? UC just affects the left lower side of the colon, whereas Crohn's can affect your entire digestive system. And so, you know, on a on a scale of like, which is worse, Crohn's typically tends to be harder to treat because it can be all over, whereas ulcerative colitis is a I wouldn't say milder because that's not, uh, not a good no, description. It's serious condition. Yeah, it's very brutal, um, but it typically affects that lower descending colon, sigmoid colon area. So how many colonoscopies have you had in your life? Oh, one, like one. Now really? I battled, yeah, just oh. one. Now, mind you, I've only had this going on for about a year That's and a half, true. That's you true. know, so they yeah. do recommend that you get a colonoscopy yeah. yearly, especially now with the young people are getting colon cancer at so young. Is that it's, right? It's very, yeah. You look at the statistical numbers of it. It's, Let's it's, talk it's, about the liver in that. I wonder yeah. what the detox system is doing. You remember we're looking upstream and, and then yep. the colon may be catching what the liver couldn't do. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you think about what the liver does in terms of dige- like the gallbladder, all of that yeah. in terms of digestive secretions and things that you need to properly digest food. You know, people are on chronic PPIs nowadays, even at 20 years old. And so I, I think it's a combination of everything. I think it's a combination of inflammation, which we know all, uh, feeds most cancers. We also know yeah. that the diet and the, the stuff that the trash that we're eating, we know that the pesticides, the herbicides, all that kind of stuff that we're consuming. We also know the products that contain all these xenestrogens and all these, th- I think it's a, a, a huge, com- uh, I think it's a, it's a grouping of things yeah. to say that, but yeah, it's very interesting about the colon cancer because it's a fact you, you know, they didn't used to recommend colonoscopies till I think 40, 55 years old. It was, yeah. It was 50. My husband's in yeah. that field. I think it was 50 for a long time. What is it now? Yeah. 40? Oh, 45? I mean, it, yeah, it's younger. And, and I've even heard some debate about like, if you're at risk, like you've had IBS or you have digestive issues or like me where you have an a quote unquote diagnosed IBD condition. I mean, I, I'm supposed to get them yearly. And so, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite concerning, uh, to say the least. Well, one of the magical things that I think you do too, that Bickman, I mean, all these people talk about because of reaching autophagy, mm-hmm. the cellular clean out where your body, um, it eliminates these junky yeah. proteins and, and yep. you eliminate them is mm-hmm. intermittent fasting. Do you incorporate intermittent fasting into your daily life? Yes, a hundred percent. And I'll, and I'll throw out another name. I love Cynthia Thurlow. If you're not I've, familiar I've with her, her. She's yeah, lovely. she mm-hmm. is the best. And, and, and yes, I do intermittent fasting. I prolong fast, prolong fasting can be what's a, your, a game what's changer. Your longest? My longest is five days water fasted. Um, I did that was, last summer. It wasn't oh, fun. No, it was everyone who asked me about that. I'm like, look, I'm going to be honest. It was brutal. People but, all say, oh, I feel euphoric. No, what? I felt terrible. I felt but, terrible. Wait, my husband kept sending me YouTube links of people that on day three felt great. Day yeah. four. I well, was I kept waiting. Me too. Yeah, it was brutal. And you know, I, I look back knowing what I know now hormonally, I don't think women's hormones in regards to cortisol are meant for that. Like my husband was doing it with me and he was like chipper, happy, like really good, could no, go work I out. I was in the pit. Like I was having to sleep all the time. I didn't know. I, I say, yeah, I say that I felt afterwards I definitely felt fantastic regenerated my skin was like beautiful yes all the things but during the actual pro the the prolonged fast I was not a nice mommy or wifey 
In fact, I had, I may have had my pellet therapy during that week on maybe, I think on day three or four. So I asked my provider to do some lab work to look at my, yeah. you know, I knew my fasting insulin usually stays about 2.2, but during that sure. I got to 1.1, oh, but sure. my glucose was 52. That's yeah. why I didn't feel well. Yeah. That's why I kept saying, I don't have the energy. I'll do this. Mm-hmm. I, I was doing it because of a questionable, um, it was a benign growth in my colon. It was fine. Oh, it was not cancerous, yeah. but I did it in case it was cancerous to get yeah. it, the cells to get the rid of it. Yeah. And I remember thinking then afterwards, cause I, in one trick, my friend, Laurie Lewis, who's a long time intermittent faster said, open your window gently, you know, mm-hmm. watermelon, maybe if you can handle dairy, do yogurt, blueberries, you know, she said all these things because you could get sick. I didn't do any of that. After I f- did it, after I finished Temple, I was glad I patted myself on the back, yeah. you know, and my friend Laurie said, now we really, because we're over 50, you need to do that every year. No I know. <laughs> I know. Like, don't say that. Please. I'll do maybe three days this yeah. summer. Well, they say 72 hours for autoimmune conditions is really like a full immune system reset. So the next time I do it, I'll probably aim for 72 hours. That's at least studied. So you get all the benefits. I mean, of course, if you go five days, you're going to get more. But if you're looking to reset the whole immune system, autophagy, I don't know the verb for that, but get rid of all those denatured cells and everything, then 72 hours seems to be kind of the magic number. And you know, I love that you brought up the low blood glucose. A lot of people don't realize that that's really stressful on the body, you know, and it causes those elevated cortisol. And, you know, a lot of people Mm -hmm. are always, oh, it's high carb. It's high carb that causes it. Sometimes it's that reactive hypoglycemia that's causing some problems too. So I love that you brought that up because that was probably what was driving my cortisol so high as well. I didn't test. I should have, but, um, yeah, it's it interesting. Brutal. Yeah. In fact, Ben Azadi, he's the mm-hmm. keto camp guy. I love I just Ben. Loved. Yeah, he's great. He said, we talked about it. He said he also on day four did labs and he was at 52 on glucose and he didn't want to do cartwheels either. And yeah, so I think it's really, it's normal. And that is low guys. Mm-hmm. It's know. low. Even for a keto low carber, I, I really don't like seeing like keto low carb men or women dropping below 60, 65. I, that's where I start to kind of raise some flags. And I think it could sometimes do a little bit more good than bad um, if you're wearing a CGM or whatever. But that's Are kind of my Are you wearing a CGM? Not at the moment, but I love them. And I wear them quite often. I, you lo- do? I lo- Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think they're really helpful um, in terms of like figuring out what foods really spike or th- really they call me out. It gives me accountability when I'm not yeah, sleeping well, true. like that's stressed, yeah. you know? So yeah, I'm a big fan of CGMs. Well, I've done it twice. One I did maybe a year ago and I was an intermittent faster and probably mm-hmm. had four hour windows. But after I opened my window, I've always opened my window with fat and protein because of yeah. what carbs, they made me feel nauseated yes. I, because of the blood sugar up and down. I didn't feel yeah. good afterwards. So, but during that, I remember I ate some ice cream or I had dessert Mm -hmm. and so it would spike. Well, this last time I did it, I had adopted a carnivore meat-based diet last summer. It's boring when you have a CGM (laughs) because it doesn't go up. It doesn't go down. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, not flatlined, but I'm saying there's not a lot of excitement with the CGM. No. no. If you've ever looked at one on somebody who was more meat-based and a keto person, Someone who's really strict keto may not see much no, spikes not. or much dips. 
Yeah. You know, the most I saw and the reason I said it was, it held me accountable is it really, I would see the biggest spikes and the biggest dips when I was stressed out, people were stressing me out or I wasn't sleeping. And so that it really helped me in terms of like, Oh wow, I really have to prioritize sleep hygiene. I really have to prioritize stress management because really that's doing the most damage to me. My, my diet was good. And and like you said, I eat a more me based ketogenic diet. And so it was staying pretty flatline, but I was seeing some spikes when I wasn't sleeping, you know, um, I have also have a baby, so that doesn't help. That's right. I, you know what I saw during the middle of the night, and I think this is normal really, and you can address it. Um, I would almost dip in the middle of the night below 50. Um, I think I was reading though, and it said, because, because the glucose goddess says in her book, for every spike and dip you have, you're one step closer to a heart attack. And that I don't know if that's an overstatement or how she's saying it, but I guess she's saying for traditional people who eat a traditional standard yeah. American diet, probably. 100%. And, I and I don't. So do you think there's any harm to those of us who eat a meat-based diet or eat, I'm pretty keto-vorish, you know, um, in the middle of the night, if you see it dip below 60 or 55, does that worry you? No, that doesn't worry me. Neither does a little bit of an elevated uh, upper, morning. you know, spike yeah. in the morning. That's yeah. a dawn phenomenon there. Yeah. And unfortunately there's not a lot of good research on this is, this is pretty common in the keto carnivore okay. community, but if you compare the blood glucose levels to the insulin levels, you're, you're seeing a little bit of a shift with the blood glucose dipping and then going a little bit higher. You're not seeing movement in insulin. And so that's more important to oh, me than this shift. That's true. You yeah. know? And so that's really what I, 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 I think about it. I, I don't worry with it too much. And it, obviously of course it depends on how much we're talking that right. morning spike being, yeah. but yeah, I don't think there's any danger in having a little bit of a low at night. And then I think it's just, Oh, I think it's secondary hormones causing that. Um, that's completely normal. How are you raising your kids? Do they even get apple juice on a good day or oh, I mean, all question. the things that I fed my kids? Cause I, I was told it was healthy to give them yeah. apple juice and a bowl Same. of cereal, which I would never give I anyone. I love those things. So how, how do you handle it with kids? I love this question. I get this a lot. A lot of people assume my kids are like a strict diet. So I walk a very fine line of, I want my kids to understand what foods make them feel good. I also don't want to create any type of disordered, you know, at that age, it's impossible to understand. Like we can understand what's good and what's bad. And so they eat, basically they eat meat. Meat is primary it. Like I will serve that before anything and everything at every meal. Protein is king with my children when they're building so much and growing so much. Second is a little bit of vegetables. And third, I do fruit as well. And so I do not keep your ultra processed anything in our house, but I also... I pulled the reins back a little bit when it comes to like, if they're out on a birthday party mm-hmm. or things like that, what I'll do is I just make them really full on protein before we go. And I'll put a piece of cake in front of yeah. them and they may take one bite and they'll be done because they've had that protein and it's very sweet to my kids. So I have noticed that my kids cannot put down as much sweets as others, because I think it's just too much. And I've even had my four-year-old tell me, mommy, my tummy hurts. I ate too much. My tummy hurts. And so I'm trying to foster that environment where they're learning it on their own, but I'm also not demonizing the food until they can understand it, you know? Well, didn't you as an adult who faced this diet, that's what I'm saying. It was, 
I mean, a self-correcting error, as we call it. 100%. I never opened I, the, fir- the first time. So I've been fasting since 2017 and I was in morning radio and everyone would bring donuts or biscuits or whatever to, to if we interviewed them or they were on our morning right. radio show. Um, and that first time I, uh, I took the donut or the cupcake home and I opened my window with it and I felt nausea, I probably oh. reactive hypoglycemia. hundred percent. I felt nausea. I was shaky. I was sweating. I, I couldn't think clearly. I, I kind of went, well, I'll knock that off my list. I will never do that again. Yep. So, so I guess that's what you're trying to give your kids put them in the driver's seat for them to make the decision that I don't feel great now when I eat the donut in the morning, unless I had bacon and eggs first. (laughs) Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I, that's how I learned to, and I cannot tell you how many of my clients tell me the same thing. They're like, I've joined your program. I've been eating keto, lots of protein, lots of this. I had a little bit of a defect this weekend, had a little bit too much and I feel awful. I can't believe I was living in the way that I feel right now all the time. And so, yes, I love yeah. that you point that out. Cause it's like, once you know what good feels like, anytime you feel bad, you're like, I'm not going back there. I don't want to go back there. Cause I, I just operate so much better at the level that I'm at now. And I see it with my kids. I also see it with myself and, and, and my husband as well. Well, people rely on you. Your family yeah. does, your kids do, your clients do, your husband does. You you don't have time for a down day. Nope. No, or I don't. To yeah. have a UC, you know, an attack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. Any type of IBD flare up. So if yeah. you look at it that way, you think, I really want to be a good steward of my body yes. for not only to glorify the Lord, but 100%. so that I get my stuff done. You know, I, yeah. God created us with this energy and yes. to impart wisdom in people not for our glory, but for God's glory, but to to be upright and be productive in the things that are really important to us. Okay. Let's talk about the thing that we've got to petition. I mean, seriously petition Congress about, and it's removing seed oils from restaurants, grocery stores, you know, the American Heart Association heart is on canola oil. I mean, I know it's It's shocking. Well, bought and paid for everything. I mean, follow the money. money. Have you, you know, and Ben Azadi even talks about that uh, Dr. Kate Shanahan is her name or Kate mm-hmm. Shanahan, something. Yeah. I'm not so, so saying that right. But is smoking worse, sitting in a chair worse, or seed oils? She went, oh, seed oils. I mean, and they're saying that they're in our system for two years. It's crazy. How, are you noticing that when you remove them, because I try to remove them from everything, that yes. you feel better? Oh, without question. And this became... This became so obvious to me more so when I had UC and and that was about two years ago. So that was like kind of seed oil time, but it's really gotten bigger and bigger. But yes, I, you know, immediately I know if I've consumed seed oils Mm -hmm. both my hands will swell up. I'll wake up in the morning and my hands will be swollen and my joints will hurt and no, it's, it's seed oils. And you're absolutely right. And I think the more we get this out there, the, the, the more people are able to change, but they're cheap. So most restaurants are going to use them. They're oftentimes used for frying and refrying and refrying, which makes it even worse and worse and worse. And so, yeah, I noticed immediately and I noticed it with my clients too. I had a client that had her face was 95% covered with rosacea and it was thick. I mean, it was a horrifically thick rosacea. And she came to me at the point of tears. She wouldn't take pictures. She was a professor. One of my not favorite clients, but one of my most shocking clients. And she removed 
seed oils and dairy and, and gluten and a couple other things, but she can tell that her, her face completely cleared up, you know? And so your, your skin will always show you what your insides are doing. And so, yeah, I think that was a little bit of a sidetrack, but you're absolutely yeah, correct. Yeah. It's something we need to sugar and seed oils. If, if people just even focus on those two things and weren't even changing the carbs and stuff, you'll see a remarkable change in your health. It does reduce your choices. I mean, you, you, you oh, just have 100%. to understand that. And eating out is more difficult. I look, you know, I look yep. like the high maintenance customer Always. or diner when I say, no, you can't cook it in seed oil. I know. <laughs> you have to use butter or olive oil. And then my yep. daughter told me, that some restaurants now say olive oil, but it's really a mix. It oh, has yes. Yeah. It's it what it's not greenwashing, whatever they call it. I don't know. It's yeah, that is that is yeah. kind of a greenwashing. It yeah. Is. Yeah. yeah. And you'll look at mayonnaise that'll say olive oil mayonnaise. You flip it over. Yeah, it's got olive oil, last ingredient, canola oil is the second. And it's like, my goodness, this, that's the kind of stuff that yeah. needs to be outlawed yeah. and petitioned in Congress because that is so manipulative and people think they're doing themselves a favor. But I'm like you and I'll even tell my waiter, I'll tip you better if you help me out here, okay. you know, because yeah. I don't want to consume it. And you no. would be surprised what all they put it on. They put it on everything. Are you making your own mayonnaise yet? No, I wish. I wish I had the time. I like Primal Kitchen. Um, I don't and like it. I know so a lot of people don't. Uh, it's an it's acquired taste, I'd say. I also like Chosen Foods. I think they have a really good oh, okay. mayonnaise. Chosen, chosen okay. Foods. Yeah, okay. th- they have a good one, and it tastes like regular mayonnaise, in my opinion. Um, yeah, one day I'll make. My neighbor used to make her own mayonnaise, and I was like, girl, you are it. I love it. But My I just, friend who's a chef. Who, who's one of my clients, he's lost hundred pounds. I wow. mean, he's a chef. He's like, Lisa, it's three ingredients. Yeah. It's the eggs, the, oil, and- eggs <laughs> oil, and maybe salt or something, or something, lemon yeah. juice. I can't remember. Lemon juice, like, lemon juice I think. Yeah. Or- Is it, yeah, an acid maybe in there? Something. I, yeah, I, I think remember. it's an acid. But he said it's so easy. And I said, I know, I just haven't done it. <laughs> and it's because we're in the South, so I'm in the deep South where mayonnaise is king here. It is with every meal in different variations. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, you know, that's why. I mean, then I sound, I, you know, I swear I'm not as high maintenance as I sound, but that's why when I go to restaurants, I don't even order salads because I'm not going to eat their dressing, no. but if they can bring olive oil and vinegar to the table, then I'll eat it because they'll go, girl, it's ranch. And I go, I know, I know but your ranch has, has a bunch of artificial things in it. And yeah, there's seed oils and even the salt and pepper. There's a, a brand called kinder k-i-n-d-e-r and we've seen yes. it at mm-hmm. um costco and at yep. walmart yep sunflower oils in it I it's know. salt and pepper and they like, use how do you make that happen I don't even know. I don't even know why. I know it's a food processing thing like I don't know if it keeps it from sticking. I don't know what but I'm like how did y'all even figure out how to do that? I don't know. I don't know. So <laughs> I toss don't know. I mean there are all these things. I um I just found out from um one of my guests and she's like the keto carnivore, Devin Willett. Okay. She, she need to follow her. She's a dog. Uh, she's lost, I think 90 pounds, reversed wow. her interstitial cystitis wow. through uh, health. Um, yeah. She said that Buffalo Wild Wings fries in either lard. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they I think do. it's I think it's lard. I, it's lard, and but you do have to k- be careful about the. I figured this out from. I don't know if you know Laura Spath. She's a carnivore yes. person. She's a friend of mine. Yeah, she's oh. here in Phoenix as well. Okay, she get her that. on my get her on my okay. podcast. I mean, I <laughs> okay. try to get in touch with her. Darren's listening right now. Darren, because it Beth. looks like yes, I talked to I talked to Devin about her. It looks like her Instagram name is Laura's Path. Spath, yeah, Spath is her last name. Yeah, I know, Laura's but Spath. it's Laura Spath. But I, I was yeah. like, oh, that's Laura's Path. That's so cute. And yeah. she was like, no, my name. I saw her <laughs> once. No, I'm Laura Spath. I went. That's funny. Okay, yeah, what did she, she say? No, she told me about that about Buffalo Wild Wings is good, but you do have to check on the location because I have looked around oh. and it, it kind of depends on the state too. Womp, womp, womp. I know, but check. Most of them do. You just want to make sure because you know eating chicken wings are that's a pretty high. Um, that could be a high source of oil if you're not careful. But yeah, uh, you're right. They do. They most of the time. Well, in fact, Devin Willett is the one I've never really, I tried to make, I, I'm not, a. have never been to Buffalo Wild Wing. I mean, I think I yeah. went with a son in high school and I, yeah. I, I probably ate a salad. Yeah. Like that is too messy and old to me. But yeah. what Devin said to me one time that really resonated with me was carnivores often get palate fatigue. Mm-hmm. eating chewing steak every day and she said that's why she switched and started doing the chicken wings yes. the boneless wings and you can, they're drummies and pieces and so I make my own because I have a convection oven that can yes. circulate the air make them crispy and I do have pork lard mm-hmm. my mouth's watering because I haven't opened my feasting window yet <laughs> sorry <laughs> so I, I had to swallow yeah. um, so I but I couldn't get them crispy enough I've even done the baking powder, the non-aluminum baking. I mean, it's all these different things. things. So I told my husband, I go, we're going to Buffalo Wild Wings. Honey, did somebody kidnap you? Like, why are you saying this? I said, I think they fry in pork lard. They do. Yeah, they definitely do. So, and it does. I I love that she says that palate fatigue because that's one of the questions I get a lot is like, oh, I'm kind of bored. I feel like I'm eating the same thing. But you just got to look for ideas. It's, It's very helpful to follow different people, see what they're doing, look for recipes online. Um, when I, I did a short stint of carnivore and I really found it was helpful to do chicken and and I lived in Florida at the time, so I could get fresh seafood. I did a ton of seafood, yes, you know, yes, and so yes, that really yes. helped change it up. Yeah. So what I'm, I'm going to open my window, I have a sous vide and I cooked beef tenderloin. I have some boiled shrimp that I just Yum. picked up from the grocery store that they just steamed. Yeah. And I've got chicken wings for tomorrow. So those Love are kind of my staples. I go back and yeah. if I can get fresh fish. Um, I hate to have to wrap things up, but you're so good. Oh, what, what is it you think everyone right now should start implementing in their lives? I, I would say removing seed oils is probably yeah, one. Yeah, the things we've kind of already talked about. But, but anything else you think we're missing? You know, I would just encourage people to really, you know, and maybe this is just the time that I'm in and I've seen a lot of this going around, but don't, don't kind of get the blinders on and look at your own journey and and be very careful about comparing your journey to someone else's and just pay a lot of attention. And, and, you know, it can be very easy on social media to get so much like almost information overload where it becomes, you know, paralyzing in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I think everyone starts their journey somewhere and is somewhere right now. And just really focus on one thing that you can do an actionable item that will improve your health, that you can make a habit and just, 
do the other thing and do one more thing and do one more thing as time goes. And I really just want to encourage people that like, it's a journey and all of us who have seemingly like made it in the nutrition space and all this other stuff, like we still battle the journey every, every day. And so I just want to encourage somebody that wherever you are, wherever you're starting, just take one step forward. That's all that's, that's really required. And before you know it, you'll be at your goal. And eat more fat and meat and you'll be fine. Yeah, and protein and all the things. And protein yeah, and all that. Yeah, and okay. focus on what you're doing. I love it. Thank you so much, Lisa. This was really fun. Great job today. All the information about you, your social media, and the show notes. And we will. everybody will get healthy starting today. I believe it. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.